guys. How you doing? How are we all? That was really one of those awkward moments just before. So, you know, Pastor Rob's about to announce me there and he, and he just, he came over and he said, so what do you want to do? Do you want to just shake hands or do you want to give me a hug up there? And I'm, I don't want to hug you, you know. <laughs> Looks odd. Um, anyway, so it's been a few years, I think. Um, it's not odd. It's completely fine for males to hug, you know. It's okay. Just not full frontal and not for more than sort of 3.5 seconds or something. Um, yeah, so I think it's been about four years since I've been here. Um, my, my wife, Christine, who is possibly the better part of the package, um, she's, okay, definitely, thank you for the correction. She's not here, so it doesn't matter, so I'm the best that you get for the day. So she's in Manila, she went back uh, just this last Wednesday, so she's sort of getting a head start on me. I go back to Manila probably the first week of March. Um, so for those of you who, um, who don't know us, perhaps you're sort of newish to the church or, or whatever, so number one, I'm the best looking missionary you'll ever see in your life, okay? You just nail that one before Tim comes, okay? Before Tim comes. Tim's a great guy, he's sort of one of those guys, he has an on switch and no off switch. Uh, so if you could all just, when you meet Tim, so has Tim been here before? Cool, great. So if anyone who could just do this, every guy here, just walk up to Tim and say, Mark says you're a big girl. <laughs> Get on well with him. He's, he's a good guy. I liked him. Um, can't spend much time around him. He's just too busy and he's got way too much energy, but he's a great guy. So just pick on him politely in the name of Jesus. It's just all good. And just blame me for anything. And you might want to come up with something better than that. That's beautiful. Just tag me in it. And uh, he's a good guy. So he's going he's gonna to bless you. Um, so anyway, where was I going? Sidetrack myself. So we've been we've been uh, living and working in Manila now for just on fourteen years, and uh, so for those of you who don't know anything about us whatsoever, so track me down. I got a WordPress blog, and, and I'm on Facebook. It's easy enough to find people if you want to harass them and stuff. So just search what we do. I'm not really going to talk very much about missions this morning. Um, we're going to talk about Jesus. That's a very unusual subject. Well, let's talk about Jesus. But as a bit of a background, so we've been in Manila for nearly 14 years full-time, and um, we work now in a number of large squatter areas. So we work with genuinely poor people. So people who do genuinely, even if they have a real job, are earning, you know, two, three dollars US a day or less than. And... Um, uh, something just to mess with your heads, right? This is a figure that unless you've seen it, you will not be able to believe. This slum, the main slum where we live and work, according to Google Maps, is less than one square kilometre. Less than, probably about three quarters. It has an official population of 125 thousand people. What's the population of Lincoln? You're all just wasting space. That's what you're doing. You could cram in a heap of people. So me and Christine actually happily live almost in the centre of that. And uh, when, we, when we started there 14 years ago, it would be a realistic estimate to say that about 90% of those people had no running water no electricity or no functioning toilet. 
electricity has, has come in in the last couple of years. Water has come in. We brought water in. Um, so there's been dramatic changes. 14 years ago, there was no roads in our slum. It was just all mud and slush and all the stuff that gets combined with slush that comes out of human bodies. It was beautiful. We had the most breathtaking views you have ever seen on the planet. Literally. Oh, my God. Let's move away. You know, breathtaking views. I was actually going to do up a tourism brochure at one stage with our, with our, our beachside resort and use that term, breathtaking views, because it's very applicable. It's very honest. It's a little bit misleading, but um, it is how it is. And uh, so 14 years ago, we walked in there because Jesus sent us with, with no prior missions experience or no cultural understanding, no language, no anything, just real simple, silly people following Jesus into the unknown yonder. And, uh, and we started with absolutely nothing. So we didn't go in there and start working with a missions organization or working with a church. We just, we just started from scratch telling people about Jesus and praying for the sick and healing some folks. And that's where we started. And now 14 years down the track, we've got four healthy churches that all have their own leadership. Um, we, we've got disciples who are making disciples. And, and I have... I've actually, by the time I get back to Manila, I'll, I have actually been in Australia nine months, which is just freaky for me because I'm usually in Australia for a month maximum of any given year. Um, but I've, I've been in, in Australia for nine months and nothing has, nothing has missed a beat over there. Our leadership have not just maintained things, our local leadership. They have grown and developed things. They have appointed new leaders that I have never met and they did not ask my permission to do it. They're running it. It is now officially, 14 years in, their ministry. It's theirs. And, and just think about it logically and practically. I've been in Australia nine months. That is a long, long time. Everything I used to do back there nine months ago, I no longer need to do. Preaching, leadership training, starting new ideas, planning churches, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm done. I'm finished. Like I am officially redundant. And when I go back in March, I'm not doing any of the things that I have done for the last 14 years. If they would like me to preach, they will have to ask me and invite me as a guest if they want me to do leadership, I'm happy to do that, but you've got to ask me and invite me as a guest because it's their show now. So then you might think, well, what on earth are you going to do? Well, I've actually got some stuff in my heart. I've been here for nine months. That's prophetic, so that's enough time to sort of birth something new. It wasn't part of the plan, and it does sound very clever like that, but that's not what we did. But anyway, I'm, I've, I've got a revelation. So 14 years ago, the adults that we started with were malnourished, uneducated, um, didn't have their eyes open to the world around them. They're all impoverished and, and their lives had been very small. So Maravik, our national leader, the boss, she's about this big perhaps if she's wearing heels. She's the boss. She runs everything. And um, she had grade two education as in primary school grade two, right? And God has done incredible things with her and, and with all of the other adults that we've led to Jesus and trained and discipled, and they're brilliant. But their children are not like them. Their children have always been in school. 
Their children have always been fed. They've never been malnourished. And malnourishment causes all sorts of issues mentally and emotionally and spiritually. It's all sorts of issues. They've, so they've, never, they've always been in school. They've never been malnourished. They've always had access to Facebook. They, through us, have friends in America, Japan, Germany, uh, Denmark. They have connections globally that their parents never had when they were kids. They've always been around English-speaking people, us, and the teams that we brought in. So these children are completely different raw material than what their parents were. Their parents, in many areas and aspects, cannot develop these children because their children are starting from a place that that they're only getting to now. So the children are completely different raw products. And so I've got a word from God in my heart. And I'm actually, so I'm, you know, I'm the, I am, I mean, Maravik's the boss, but I'm like the big boss. I'm the CEO founder. I've got these little titles that I like to use every now and then, the most holy, honorable, righteous, whatever. That's me, you know, I started the whole show. Um, But I'm actually promoting myself to children's church. And I'm serious when I say that. It's not a backward step for me. I am so excited about, I'm, I'm going back and the only thing, you know, as I said, they're running the show and all that sort of stuff. My last, my sort of my last big leadership move as the boss, I am going back and I am taking over Children's Church and then I'm letting everything else go. Because the children the, the potential now, so we have 13-year-olds and 12-year-olds that did honestly preach on Sunday morning, as in full, full sermons. They don't just get up and do, Jesus loves you, and you let them do a little dance, and oh, isn't that cute? Take a few photos, stick them on Facebook. Preach, preach in English. Their parents were never doing that at 13. Some of their parents are not doing that now. So, so I'm going back and I'm promoting myself to children's church because I'm going to get hold of these kids with just some stuff that God's put in my heart. And, and we're going to, we're going to, because they are already sort of out of the box of normality. You get that, right? They're already out of the box. And in so many ways, they're so far beyond their parents already. So they're already out of the box. So I'm going back and, I, and number one job, I'm going to absolutely destroy the box so there's no hope of them ever getting back into it. And then I'm going to just get them out into completely new areas and new ideas. I'm going to sow thoughts and concepts and and their, their concept of normality has already been sort of shattered and broken. Well, I'm going back to annihilate it. And in five years' time... These kids will be making their parents look like they're walking backwards because they've started here already. So I'm actually really excited about it. I'm going back for the next 10 years as the big boss, and I'm, I'm, I am promoting myself to children's church, and I'm, I'm sort of in my heart. I actually think, and I've said this to my wife, and it was a bit of a scary thought when we had it. I, I actually said, I think the 14 years we've just done has just been foundational preparation. Gosh, 14 years, and we've just sort of got going, I think. So I, I'm excited. I, I'm going back to, to bury into kids' church and, and turn these little kids into animals for Jesus, just animals. It's just going to make monsters out of them all. It's going to be so much fun. And, and these, because this, this is now the generation, this is the generation that is seriously going to break out of poverty, going to break out of culture and tradition, because they don't have it already. They've already been introduced into something new. So the potential, I do have this sort of sense in my heart. I, I, it's hard to even, 
Um, it's hard to even verbalize it, but, I, but I, I've got this, this awe in me because I think what God has done in the last 14 years has been phenomenal. I think it's been phenomenal. Brilliant. I've got no complaints about it. We, in the last three years, we've had two people raised from the dead, one of them doctor verified. So I'm just happy with what Jesus has done. But in my heart, I actually have this sort of, oh, my God, sit down, shut up, hold on. God, he's really about to do something. I, I had that. And so, gosh, I'm hanging out to get back and get into kids' church. Just way to go. I think, gosh, who wants to work with these stupid adults anymore? I'm free. We're going to get in the kids. It's just going to be so much fun. And it's going to be great. So that's what we're doing and that's where we're at. And I think you know, and we talk about that sort of stuff in church all the time. You've got to be working yourself out of a position, replacing yourself. And we use those words, but I don't necessarily see it done all that much. But I'm really happy that I'm now finished with adults. So we're now finished. I'm going out to kids' church. No. I'm happy. I'm sort of, it's a good thing. It's just a, it's a development thing, isn't it? It's a development. It's a progression. You have your kids and eventually you get rid of your kids. Well, I'm sort of going the other way. I have my adults and I'm getting rid of them and I'm going to my kids. So it's going to be fun. Um, okay, so, so as I said, I'm not, I'm not really going to... So that's a, if you want to know any more about what we do, hunt me down on WordPress, hunt me down on Facebook, t- talk to Pastor Rob or some others around here who already have all of those details. Go and find out for yourself if you're interested. Uh, if you're not, that's all good. Um, live your life boring. It's up to you. <laughs> Joke. So sorry. You know, anyway. Okay, so, so I'm going to... As I said, I'm not talking about missions, but what I'm really talking about this morning is the mission. The mission versus missions. And I, I think I'm going to throw some concepts at you and some ideas uh, that will just perhaps sound a little bit unusual. One of my main goals this morning is to confuse you. That's not true. But I, so I, I pop around in, in Australia. and So number one, while I'm in, in Australia, I work. I work. So I've been, I've had four months over in the mines in Western Australia doing my 12-hour days and my 12-hour nights and just, just working like a dog. And, and now I'm over in South Australia because I'm, I'm preaching for all of this month and I've spent all last week doing 10-hour days out in the vineyards driving tractors and slashing weeds and all that sort of stuff. I actually work. And you see, the, the simple facts, if, if, I am, if I'm not prepared to work and pour money into the ministry, why should I expect anyone else to? You don't need to support my cushy, cosy lifestyle while I sit back with my feet crossed and drink coffees and, and whatever. So I come back to Australia, I, I work, and I'm happy with that. It doesn't bother me. It's who I am. We're, just, we're ordinary people. We're nothing fancy or flash. We just, what you see is what you get. It's a pretty good package, and it doesn't change. We are what we are. So, but, so I go places, and I, I don't actually get to preach in churches as much as you would think because I'm not interested in saying what I'm told to say. And even here, your church has been involved with us financially for a long, long time, but I'm not coming here today because you fund us. I actually couldn't care less whether you fund us or not. It's not your issue. It's not my issue to fund your life, is it? So I'm I'm glad that you fund us. I am thankful. I don't want to sound disrespectful, but I'm not here for that. I don't come into Australia to wander around churches with a little tin cup and please give the missionaries some coins. I'm not interested. If Jesus can't give it to us, you have no hope. And so I'll stay over that side of the extreme. 
But it, with some of those concepts, uh, that does actually mean that there's a lot of churches aren't interested in having me because you can't sit me down in a, in a, in a pre-meeting you know, pre-service meeting and say, well, Mark, you know, the church is going in this direction. We'd really like you to share on this. I'm going to say, well, do it yourself. And I had that. I I sat down. I won't bother with any names at all. But I sat down with a a prominent uh, minister and we're going through the, the, the service, and I, you've got to go through, just to tell you where you're going to slot in and how it's all going to work. And then he starts sharing with me, well, Mark, the church is really doing this in the last six months, God's been doing this, and da-da-da. And if you had a testimony, what sort of testimony would you share? So I threw him a couple of testimonies, saying, no, not, you know, that's good, but I want something a little bit more, you know, like this, to, to get this point across. And I said, I'm okay, okay, we well, can just, so I, I gave him another one. He said, no, you're not quite getting it. What we want is, is this, and, and we're going, and I'm sort of thinking, this is just weird. And, 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 I, and I got to the point where I just said, well, listen, why don't, why don't you just do it? I'll just attend church. Why, why don't you just do it? And he said, oh, no, it's not like that, Mark. We really, we really want to hear your heart. And I said, no, you know, that's rubbish. What you want is your church to hear your heart through my mouth. So why don't you just do it and I'll attend church? I have not been back there since. And I'm happy. I don't care. Like, I'm not being deliberately offensive, but let's... You know, let's drop the pretense and say it as it is. You want to, if Rob wants to say something, come and say it. You don't need me to come in and be a puppet. And I don't play that game. So I don't preach in many churches. It's not a goal or a desire I have to increase that. I'm very happy being me. I'm going to stay me. And people will either like that or not. And I've got edges and things that God needs to chip off. Well, he's up to chipping them off, isn't he? He doesn't need anyone's help. He's up to chipping them off. Amen. So, so people brand me the, the, the missionary. You know, the missionaries come. Well, I've actually never called myself a missionary, and I have never done missions in my life. Ever. All I have done ever, and all I am doing today is following Jesus. That's it. And I had no idea 14 years ago that he had this plan and I, to, to walk me to Manila. And when he got me there, I had no idea what he was about to do because I have, you know, again, in, in a lot of sort of Western developed church settings, we want to focus a lot on the vision. Well, I've never had one, ever. I've actually been blinded by this bloke, Jesus, who I am called to follow. So there he is. And I can't see anything but him because I'm following him. And if I duck out to the side, I don't always like what I see anyway. So just get back in behind, hold on, duck, and hope some of those things don't land on you. I've just followed Jesus. That's what we're doing right now. We're following Jesus. So we're not missionaries. We're just Christians living a Christian life. just so happens that our Christian life, Jesus has walked us into third world slums. He hasn't walked you there. That's good. You don't have to come. But you do need to keep your eyes on Jesus for yourself and just follow wherever he takes you. Amen? And you don't need to be critical or, or comparative to what anyone else is doing as long as they're following Jesus. Just let them go. Amen? Just let them go. If they're following Jesus, now if they're out of whack and if things are going a bit screwy, and then fine, grab them, pull them in close to you and maybe they'll follow Jesus with you. But if they're not, just leave them alone. We've all just got to follow Jesus. Open up your Bibles. Is that all right for an intro? We good? We happy? We on the same page? Beautiful. Let's go to Mark chapter 1. 
So Mark chapter 1, uh, verse uh, 16 and verse 17, if, if you've read your Bibles a bit, this is, you know, this is common ground. So as he walked by the sea, so as who? As Jesus. As Jesus walked by the sea of Galilee, he sees Simon and Andrew, his brother, casting it into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus says to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. That has got to be the most impacting, powerful, simplistic, motivational speech the world has ever heard. Two words, follow me. Follow me. And when Jesus spoke those words, he wasn't talking to the church. He was talking to people. Actually, he was talking to the people in front of him. He was talking to people, not the church. Sometimes we mix these concepts up in our head and we, that's why people get disgruntled and out of whack with the church because sometimes we think the church should be doing things that it's actually never designed to do. And I'm not following Jesus and there's very little fruit in my life and I'm a little bit grumpy and upset with this and it's not got anything to do with me and my relationship with Jesus. Somehow it's got everything to do with that stupid church. Well, you've got, you've got it all messed up. It's actually got everything to do with you and Jesus. And politely, I don't care what Rob does. It's not my issue. My issue is, am I following Jesus? Now, if he is, great. Let's pat him on the back and applaud him. If for some reason he's not and I can't speak to him or encourage him, well, that's not my issue, is it? Problem is, we want to make it our issue, and we want to take our issues and the things that are our responsibility, and we want to plant them on someone else or something else so that I don't have to do anything about it. We'll grow up. That's not how the world works, and it's not how Jesus works. Jesus said, follow me, right? And now, if you just glance uh, across probably the page to you know, Matthew 28, um, standard, you know, sort of going to all the world verse, uh, Matthew 28 verse 19. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, once again, Jesus in that particular passage is not talking to the church. He's talking to people. Individuals who are following him. Now, another thing that I think we do is that we confuse the church as an entity with the church universal and we think this is church the assemblies of god the coc the baptist whatever but that's not church it's just groups of believers and once i accept jesus i don't necessarily now, this is a, a fine line, and please listen to everything that I say. Don't hear this one line and let this be a justification for you doing something stupid, right? Don't take me out of context. Once I, once I get born again, saved, and I'm connected to Jesus, I don't necessarily need to attend something like this. That's the thing you can't take out of context. I'm not giving you license to leave or church hop for the next 50 years, Right? Once I get born again saved, I am instantly connected to the church universal, the kingdom of God. 
Now, it should be, the Bible's very clear, that we need to fellowship together, that we, we need to connect into part of a church, a, like a Christian family network, and that we grow and there's benefits and there's very great limitations if I don't attend something like this. But I don't have to to for my growth. And I think sometimes we confuse the, the job and the role and the function of this church sort of temporal and this church as an organization with the church as in the kingdom of God. We confuse those issues. I am part of the kingdom of God. I follow Jesus. I'm connected into the church universal. It should be that I have a great place to fellowship with good friends, with family members. We, get, we come together, we worship, we shout, we spit, we make a lot of noise and it's beautiful. We all grow because we rub shoulders and characters get a little bit out of whack and we all grow. It should be like that, okay? So I'm not saying you don't need church. You definitely need this. But don't confuse this with the church universal and the church global. It's a, it's a different animal, right? So you, so you notice this. So number one, so in, in Mark, come follow me. Jesus wasn't telling the church to follow him. Jesus was instituting a new church, he was starting something on the planet. Matthew 28, go into all the world and make disciples. He wasn't talking to the church. He was talking. Now, I'm going to just pick on someone, right? I, I often pick on people. You'd never sit on the front row, but the back row is not safe either. So, Jimmy. Now, right now, me and you are the only ones in this building. Ignore everyone else. There is no one else here. There's no one committed it's me and you, mate. Jesus, and, and you, know, you can take this, right? When Jesus said, come follow me, he was talking to you. He didn't care whether they heard. When Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, he was talking to you. Again, he didn't care whether anyone else heard. He was talking to you. So, we happy? You good? So that's your job. Follow Jesus, make disciples. Not drum. But drumming's good. Drumming's got a part to play. <laughs> Follow me and I'll make you a drummer. No, that's not what God said. God has issues with drummers. No. So here's something that will sound unusual. Here's something that will sound unusual. And if you take it out of context, it's probably heretical. But don't take it out of context because it's, it's right. The church has never been called to make disciples. Ever. The church has never been called to win the lost. Ever. Jimmy has. So, right now, now you can imagine you're all back in the building. Right now, if this church doesn't grow, if it doesn't develop, if new people don't come, it's Jimmy's fault. But guess what? While you laugh at Jimmy, it's your fault too. Because it's not the church as an entity. The church as an entity can't make disciples and the church as an entity can't win the lost. It's individuals that do that. See, the Bible, there's a, there's a biblical principle in place right from the start of Genesis to the end of the book. And it simply says this, that everything will reproduce after its own kind. See, so once I'm a disciple, so once I get saved, I'm born again, and I'm following Jesus, I am right there and then, at that point, I am officially a disciple. So it's only disciples that can produce disciples, because everything reproduces after its own 
kind. The church has a different, a different level of involvement and different things, and I'm not bagging the church, right? Don't say that. And I'm not anti the church in any way, shape, or form. But there are certain things that we think the church should be doing that the church can't do because it's never been called to. So I'm a disciple. I'm going to reproduce after my own kind. So it's logical that I am the one responsible for producing disciples. But my number one role, that's not my producing disciples, is not something I need to sort of work at. It's a bit of a cause and effect thing. Because if we go back to Mark chapter 1, Jesus said, follow me. That's my number one mission in life. It's got nothing to do with the Philippines, with any location, with any specific or particular gifting ministry calling. My number one mission in life is to follow Jesus. That's it. If I don't get that right, everything else is rubbish anyway. Because in in Mark chapter 1, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. And it just so happens that he said, I will make you a fisher of men. So the fact that we have been in Manila 14 years, that we have seen a lot of people born again, spirit-filled, connected to Jesus, we've made disciples, we've raised up leaders, we've, we've Groups have gathered, we call them church, we've raised the dead. All of those things are simply a byproduct, a result, cause and effect of the fact that we follow Jesus. That's it. That's it. It's not connected to our giftedness, our planning, our resource base. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. So I commit to following him and he is instantly committed to transforming and changing my life. The results of the work that he does can only happen because I'm already following him. And then the fruit of that work can only be one thing, fishes of men, which is combined with Matthew 28, means I'm going to make disciples. It's cause in effect, it's no great effort. The effort is keep my eyes on Jesus. Keep my eyes on Jesus. Keep as close to him. Keep my eyes on Jesus. Where's he gone? Where's he gone? Find him. Grab him. Stick there. That's my job. That's where the work is. I, I'm not stupid. I do sometimes say stupid things, but I'm not stupid. But I do know when someone thinks I'm stupid. And I do have conversations because, you know, we we are well known in the so-called missions world and whatnot. And what we are doing is working and it started out as nothing. And when when, when we first started out, there was probably a greater percentage of pastors and and whatnot that thought we were making the wrong decision, the wrong choices. And this this was pointless. And if you go in this direction, there's going to be nothing left for you back here in Australia. Won't be able to give you a job in the church, whatever rubbish they went on. There was lots of people that were sort of naysayers when we started. But now we've stood the test of time. We're still going. Our life is a happy place. Jesus is working miracles, making disciples, getting people saved. And so it's, you know, it's just nature of man that those same negative doofuses now pat us on the back, say, you're doing a great job, Mark. Sweet. You know, all good. You just sort of suck it up. And, yeah, it is good, isn't it? You smile at them and think lovely thoughts in your head because we all do that.
But all we've done is follow Jesus. It's all we've done. And then some of them, you, you still get the odd one. You sort of, you know, sort of someone a little bit higher up the tree, some people who think they're bigwigs, who want to sit you down and, and they still want to, they want to teach and impart. And that's all good. That needs to happen because I definitely don't know everything and possibly don't know anything at all. So they, they, they want to, some people still want to sit down. So, you know, Mark, God's doing some good things. We see your ministries. We knew you'd make it, mate. We knew you'd do good stuff, you know. <laughs> And I, but so what are you doing? What's your vision for the next five years, Mark? How are you going? How are you going to develop this thing and grow this thing? And because I am the way I am, I, well, you know, we went, when we started out, we were looking at Jesus and uh, we kept looking at Jesus and we're following Jesus and, and things are working. And so I think we're probably just going to keep doing that for the next 10 years. We'll just do that. Our vision, yeah, we're probably just going to keep following Jesus. We'll keep our eyes locked on him and we'll just try not to get distracted by idiots like you and we'll just... Folk, I don't, you, I don't say that. I don't say that. I think it. I don't say it. It's not sin to think it, is it? Probably is. Um, and, and you can see them. You can see them in their eyes. They sort of look at you, look at you and they, oh, you simple person. Yeah, and then they try to gently begin to explain the process of goal setting and measurable steps. And Yep, yep, all good. One step at a time. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. We're working that one out. Jesus, 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 yep, Jesus, Jesus. And you can see them. They look at you and they think, oh, you're a simple little thing, Mark. And I think, get stuffed. <laughs> Facts. I don't necessarily always say it. Occasionally I have. and probably wasn't the wisest thing that ever popped out of my mouth. But our vision is Jesus. I don't really care what happens. I mean, I am, I genuinely, hey, I'm excited about going back and doing the kids. But another side of me that, that doesn't really care about the mission because that's what, what is perceived as being my mission has never been my mission, ever. My mission is to follow Jesus. And the good thing is, it, I mean, I am oversimplifying some concepts and there is, there is other elements that, that do need to be added, you know, and I'm not, we, let's not just throw out everything and throw out all the theology because that's not correct either. But if you can begin to look at the Bible and stop applying it to everyone around you and simply apply it to yourself, it's going to work for you because the book has never failed, ever. Jesus has never actually failed. Pastors do, churches do. But Jesus never has, and Jesus never will. And one of the things, sometimes when you get a weirdo like me talking this sort of stuff at you, or when you get, sometimes you get a, a prophetic ministry or something else, and it, just with some good, solid words of God that sort of whack you right in the eyes and, and shake you, sometimes what we do without even realizing it is that it's something that God has spoken that is meant for you, you deflect it onto your neighbour. Well, it'd be good for him, wouldn't it? I hope the pastor heard that. And you give him a quick glance to see whether he looked up or something, you know. Well, that's not the point. God didn't speak to you to pass it on. It's just not a footy game where you just handball revelation around because you don't particularly like it and you think it suits her better than you. God speaks to you, doesn't he? He talks to you. And another thing that we sometimes do is you, I get someone like me, you come in, I've got this long to talk and I pinch that much more, but I've got this long to talk, I can't say everything in that much time. And so I say stuff like I've said and you're thinking, oh yeah, but what about, what about, I didn't talk about that stuff. I didn't have time. 
And so you sit there and you hear something and you're trying to balance it out. You know, oh, yeah, but what about this? And you know, I don't know. And then Second Thessalonians says this. And oh, that verse in Isaiah, where's that? And you get on your phone and you have a quick look on Google. You search your Bible, whatever. Well, guess what? You've just distracted yourself. And all you're doing is listening to the stuff I didn't say. And you don't like the fact that I didn't say it. Well, I didn't say it. So what's the issue? Listen to what I'm talking about. Get back on the plane and on the program. Hear the words that are coming out. Something's happening. I'm speaking, but you're not listening to anything. You're a weirdo. And so we, we deflect people. We deflect things to other people. And we run off on these theological tangents in our head and sort of doing our own sermons and completely miss it. And then you come back, well, that was a load of rubbish, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It all originated in your own head. If you'd have listened to me, it'd have been all right for you. Gosh. So, so, you know, don't do either of those things. Everything I've said this morning, I've said it to you. Who cares whether anyone else in the building heard it or liked it? I said it to you. So you can follow Jesus. I think if you do that, that would be a really, really good thing to do. We're still relatively new in the year. Life might be a little bit of a mess. I think if you follow Jesus, things will begin. And I'm not saying you're not, right? Not intimating that you're not. I mean, I know I haven't come into the church of the damned or something like that, and you're all not following Jesus. I'm not saying that. But we do get distracted, don't we? And we do sometimes start the journey with Jesus, and you would all have, you know, let's start writing lists. We, we all have people that started the journey but didn't, they're not there now. Maybe they've put a big pause on it or they've just X'd it out altogether, finished with it, who knows, gets a little bit grumpy, a little bit, you know, because you now pastors this, that and the other, the churches this, that and the other, we've tried all, however many churches there are in Portland, and they all suck pretty much the same. And then, so they're on pause. Well, so don't do that. We're starting out, we're still in February. Okay, life's got some issues, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. That's fine, keep your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's... First he said, do it, follow me, and I'll make you a fish of men. And you, you hit wherever it else, you know, Hebrews and all those, you know, Jesus, fix your eyes on Jesus. Why? Because he's the author, so he started the journey, and the perfecter. So if it ain't quite working out, you've got no options. You've started. Just keep going. Hold on. Hold on. I'm sticking it out. I don't get it. I'm not sure where we're going, and I really don't like it today. But that's okay. He's the author and the perfecter, and he's making you into something. You didn't, when you follow, when you first got born again, you didn't become it. The process just started. Making is a process, you know, making something good, making a mess. It's a process. So you just got to hold in there. You don't always have to understand everything. Just hang on. <laughs> Close your eyes occasionally if it's a bit scary. Just whatever. Just hold on. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. It's going to be where it's going to work out. It's going to work out. It's going to work out. So, ah! And just, just don't look up. You know, just hold on. So, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's simple. It's short. It's sharp. And it's a little bit silly. But it, it works. It's working for us. And um, it'll work for you because it's never failed for anyone. I'm going to, just going to close with a concept. So maybe if, if, if musicians, whomever, can, can come up. If you look at John chapter 6, we're not going to open up the book. But John chapter 6, around about verse 66. If you've read your Bibles, and I hope you do, uh, in John chapter 6, you've got Jesus, and he's been around a little while now, but, but everyone's got pretty much the same background knowledge of Jesus in this particular day. He's only, he's only been around a short while. He's doing some miracles. He's casting out some demons, and, you know, he's 
talking unusual things and he's saying unusual things and maybe he's the Messiah, maybe he's God, maybe he's just a complete nutter, I don't know. But everyone had sort of the same background information on Jesus. You get to John chapter 6 and as always, uh, there's, there's crowds, they go wherever Jesus goes because he does miracles, he casts out demons and it's like, wow, I've never seen this stuff before, it sounds to be right, looks to be right. And so wherever he goes, there's, there's crowds. And in John chapter 6, there's people that are now called disciples. Now, some of them are the 12. There's clearly more than 12 in John chapter 6. There's people who either, who either have been appointed as disciples by Jesus or maybe they have self-appointed because they've become groupies. And everywhere Jesus goes, they're there. So they just tell him, yeah, I'm a, I'm a follower. I'm a disciple. I'm in. So maybe Jesus has appointed them as disciples when he called them. Or, or maybe they're self-appointed because they're just getting into the groove of things and they're sort of the, the groupies on the tour. And maybe just because people hang around a lot and they always see this guy at that Jesus miracle crusade, maybe everyone else is saying, well, he's a disciple. He must be. But who knows? So anyway, who knows how they got the term disciple, legit or illegit, but there's a whole heap of people in John chapter 6 who are, who are being noted as disciples. And then Jesus speaks and he says, well, you know, well, things are going good here. We might as well get some truth out and some honesty. It's time to eat my flesh and drink my blood. I'm just going to cut off slices in portion measures so we can get it across to all of you before I bleed out. Whatever. We're going to eat my flesh and drink my blood. And if you can't do that, you're not going to be able to follow me. And, well, who knows? We've stepped across a line of normality now. That's weird. I mean, that's weird, right? If you heard that, if I was saying that, well, today, you know, I was part of our missions presentation, we're going to cut me up and eat me. You'd think that's weird. So that's weird. So, of course, there, there, there already must have been wonder in the group because they all had the same background knowledge of Jesus. So there already must have been wonder. People are looking at him. The demons are getting cast out. People seem to be getting healed. That dead guy rose up. But his teaching's odd, man. You just can't get away from that. It's odd. It's not what we know. It's not what we perceive as, as church and religion. And So there can be no ifs, buts, and maybe about it. In that crowd of people, there was a lot of people wondering, is this right? And now he goes and dumps this eat my flesh, drink my blood line. Well, now we know he's a weirdo, isn't he? And so we know that in John chapter 6, a great chunk of those disciples and, and a great chunk of the crowd, they leave. So what's happened there? They've all got the same wonder. They must have. They can't not have. But people have chosen, because of their own preconceived ideas, their own inability to understand, their own inability to adjust their concepts, they have wondered and walked away. Well, dear God, that's half the out-of-church Christians on the planet. Just because I passed, I didn't do that thing the way they thought or they thought the drummer was weird and he is weird. They had wonder. They wondered about something. They couldn't work it out. They, they couldn't understand it. And so they chose to take their wonder and let them walk away from the church, Jesus, Christianity, whatsoever. Well, let me ask you a question. In John chapter 6, with the group that wondered and walked away, what happened next? Who knows? You never hear of them again. They're gone. Like final chapter, full stop, bing, disappeared. Don't even know a name of them. They wondered. They walked away. That's the end of them. Done. But there was another group that wondered just like those ones did. And they just decided, well, I don't get it. I just don't get it. And I'm not even sure it should be like this. But what on earth am I going to do? What's my options? So I'm going to wonder 
And I'm going to just walk with the guy until I work it out. And so what happens to them? They're the guys that are in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. They're the ones that are, that are raised on the dead and opening the eyes of the blind. They're the ones with shadows empowered by the Holy Ghost. So which group do you want to be in? We all have your questions. Of course you do. You have your questions about me. Am I legit? Am I weird? Should we support this guy? Well, what are you going to do? Which camp do you want to be in? Are you going to wander and walk away? Just go to the next church. Do that. That's how everyone bounces through church. Ah, oh, you know, it's like, you know, whatever. Well, wander and walk away. Where's that going to get you? And I'm not even talking necessarily about this church. And I'm not bagging the other churches in the city, in the town, the region. I'm not doing that. But you either wonder and walk away or you wonder and you walk with. And I'm pretty sure that if you'll just keep walking with Jesus, you'll work it out because He is making you. He's bringing you to understanding and revelation. So things get a little bit tough. They get a little bit shaky. They get a little bit uncertain. All good's just part of the process. Just hang in. Hang in. Just cut the walking away thing. Because that's your start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. And it gets to a point where you don't start again. That's when you get to the people in their 50s and their 60s and their 70s. Yeah, they've got all the Bible knowledge in the world, all the head knowledge and all the rubbish and can preach all the crap. But they've never been in church. They've never produced any fruit. And, and that's because they've got to a point they've start, stop, start, stop, start, stop, start, stop. Never start again. Never start again. It's just like the starter switch goes or something and it's broken. So they just live wherever they live and they're grumpy at every church and every new pastor that comes into town is the same as the last guy. It's, well, that's the, the, there you go. Start, stop, start, stop, stop. Broken. It's stuffed now. Broken. So don't do that. You say what? Your church isn't perfect. Great. Hallelujah. Just write that on the... Let's just write that. That should be a church name somewhere. The Church of the Imperfect. Would fit for every church on the planet, wouldn't it? So you're either going to wonder and walk away or you're going to wonder and walk with. And if you wonder and walk with, you will eventually work it out. That's the team to be in. That's the team to be in, okay? So I don't know who you are. There's a lot of new faces here. But if, you're, if, if you are visiting for the day, and I'm not saying you're visiting today because you're church hopping or you're backslidden or anything like that. But, you know, if, if, the, if that message is for you, if you can sort of identify, yeah, I think I've, I've done a bit of that. I've done a bit of wondering and walking away. Well, just stop it. It's not going to get you anywhere. You've you got to wonder. You've got to walk with and work it out. Because Jesus is making you into something. Let's all stand. Whatever song you've got is good. So we're just, I don't need to pray for people. You know, I'm not the be all and end all of anything with it when it comes to ministry. It really is about you and Jesus. Um, but I don't know. If, if you want prayer, if you feel, even if in, in just listening to that this morning, you think, yeah, maybe... Maybe I'm in a bit of a pattern there. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to pray for you. Pastor Rob, anyone else, we're all happy to pray for you because it's, it's not about judging and pointing fingers. But yeah, if you've, well, I think I might be in a bit of a pattern. I've wondered and walked away a few times and contemplating doing it now, actually. Well, don't because it's not going to get you anywhere. You're just going to keep in a loop of critical, negative unfruitfulness and it's only going to affect you. This, is this church perfect? Dear God, no. Is Rob perfect? Please. Gosh. <laughs> I am. You know, and if I was here, this church would be a much better place, of course. But I'm not. So, um, I don't know. We're going to have a bit of worship. I'm just going to hand over to, to Pastor Rob. And you know, if you want prayer, feel free to come out.